0: Welcome to We Are Venomaniacs, the Venom site's official podcast for all of your Symbiote news, reviews, and point of views. My name is Orion, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts, Carlos.
1: Yo, what up, people?
0: And Tyler. Hello! We're also joined today by a super special guest host from the Marvel bullpen, and the star of this episode, Scream, Curse of Carnage scribe, Clay McLeod Chapman. A most welcome and gracious welcome to you, Clay.
2: <laughs> thank you very much for having me, guys. I really really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. I mean, I don't know if you've listened to our podcast, but every time we review a Scream issue, we're gushing over it. It's it's just solid gold so far. And, you know, it's just been a real joy. We 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 I at least I have said that it's probably one of the best symbiote books. On the shelves right now
2: i mean i i I'm not gonna lie to you like i of course I come to you guys i have been <laughs> I've been listening habitually, and you know it it has been you know honestly a godsend that you know readers like yourselves and everybody who's joining us right now um i I mean I honestly cannot say it enough I mean it just means the world to me thank you, thank you so much for for you know bringing scream to life.
0: Yeah, no problem. And um, so we have a few questions for you um, from our hosts here, uh, and then we'll open it up to the community who are listening in right now live if we have the time, uh, because I know that we have some uh, time constraints uh, with your schedule. So we will try to keep this as brief as possible for our listeners so they can get their questions in as well. So let's go ahead and get the ball rolling. Uh, Carlos, let's start with you
1: so clay uh i have a question for you so my question is what led or inspired you to become a writer in the first place
2: um i mean you know it's funny because i i you know i'll i'll be totally frank like i was i was a terrible student growing up and you know as early as sixth grade like i think i was failing english and um took a teacher my my sixth grade English teacher teacher pulling me aside to to kind of you know give me the the riot act you know say like I was going to be failing her class and repeating sixth grade if I didn't bump my grade up and uh she totally struck a deal with me and said hey you know if you uh do something that's outside of class that's kind of in tandem to the stuff that we're doing in class I'll give you a little extra credit and lo and behold, she, she like pointed to this, this poster in her classroom, a writing contest. I, you know, I never wanted to write, never thought about writing, never uh, imagined myself as a writer. Just wanted to pass sixth grade English. Um, but I knew if I entered this contest a bunch of times, I could get more extra credit and therefore really pass sixth grade. Um, so I entered like three of the most crap-tacular short story plays you've ever read. Um, and it led to getting the extra credit moving on to seventh grade. I I get a letter in the mail like a month later saying, congratulations, uh, you've won. And it, it completely threw me for a loop and it just turned my life around. And I realized, you know, slowly but surely, still a terrible student, that, that writing... Storytelling in particular was something that I really wanted to do, and I kind of accidentally kind of stumbled into it. Um, but to, you know, not to draw this out too, too much for talking specifically about comic book writing, uh, I honestly wholeheartedly owe everything to one person. That is uh, Ellie Pyle, my very, very first editor at Marvel Comics. Um, this is like fast forwarding to 2001. One ish, maybe two, three. um But I was teaching a high school playwriting workshop. And Ellie, who was in was a really like a junior senior in high school at that time, was in this class, and it just by you know happenstance that we met when she was in high school. And then you know, however many years later, she graduates from college, moves to New York, comes uh, in either an intern or associate editor at Marvel Comics. And that's when our paths, you know, e, uh, converged. I guess you could say. And she came to a reading that I was doing, probably in like 2009 ish. And she said, "Hey," she came up to me afterwards, and she was like, "Hey, remember me? Um, I don't know if you'd ever be interested in this, but have you ever thought about writing for for Marvel Comics for Spider Man?" And you know, anyone ever asks a question like that, the immediate answer is just yes. I, you know, I took lunch meeting with her and Steve Wacker and I pitched my, my ideas for Spider-Man. Um, I, I basically kind of got my start, you know, cutting my teeth, writing those, those back nine, back 10 page, uh, you know, those, those PSA style pagers at the the back of Spider-Man, like Spider-Man learns to do his laundry. Um, but that, that was, that's how it all began for me.
1: Oh, very, very, very fascinating. Well, thanks for thanks for asking the question.
2: <laughs> Long-winded, I know, but uh, it's it's all Ellie's fault. Blame Ellie Pyle, wherever you are. Thank, Thank you. you, Ellie. Thank you, Ellie. <laughs> well, I mean, I, and I, I I won't riff, I swear. But like I said she, you know, the higher up she moved, on uh, you know, up the totem pole, editorially speaking you know every so often she would be like hey have you ever thought about writing something for this or writing for something like this and you know i i basically just followed her wherever she needed somebody to to go um i know we we kind of talked really briefly about uh edge of spider verse but that was that was ellie um it, yeah all ellie
0: excellent well, thank you and then uh tyler you have a question yeah. Um, speaking of you becoming
3: a writer and whatnot, uh, we know you've obviously you had some experience with symbiotes first in the Edge of Venomverse with the Deadpool issue, but um, but and then we also, in the, obviously, Absolute Carnage, the awesome Separation Anxiety issue. On top of you did all the the psyche evals, I believe at the end of the issue. Yeah, also, yeah, also totally. Some of the, so, some like the post-credit scenes leading up to Absolute Carnage, but,
2: oh, yeah, the the uh, stingers—I think they're called—they uh, called them.
3: Yeah, but um, my question is actually, you know, you know, speaking of becoming a writer of all, you, you so you were doing the symbiote stuff, and then, but how did you become the actual writer of Scream? Because like, was Marvel impressed with the other books you handled in Absolute Carnage and asked if you were interested, or were you just given free reign to pick a character?
2: Um, all right, that's a good question, and I. So, you know, at a certain point uh I my my kind of editorial transition from Ellie moved to Devin Lewis. And Devin and um Daddy, Danny have been uh my editors there for really like a couple years now. Um and you know how did it start? I you know, honestly, I I think it was the uh separation anxiety story. Um, Divin had asked me to do the Edge of Venom verse, uh, which was Pidpool and, and Venom coming together, which was a total lark. I just wanted to riff off of a love for the thing. Uh, and I, I got to work with James Stucco, so I was just like over the moon. Um, but I, it was a, it was
1: that. I love
3: I love that little ups- that symbiote heart he did in that yeah. issue. Yeah, totally that was pretty
2: cute. <laughs> it, we I I approached that one as if it was a romantic comedy by way of John Carpenter. Um, I, I know it was a little, little cornball, but I, I have a, a fondness for it, for it. But, uh, it was, it was definitely separation anxiety that I think was the real turning point. And, um, you no, know, Devin reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to write this for the, the kind of life foundation symbiotes? I was like, yeah, this would be awesome. Um, and you know brian and i really wanted to kind of wanted to tell the the gnarliest scariest story we could tell really treat it as if it was just a complete one-off you know a really isolated kind of enclosed story even though you know there's like it it kind of bridges the gap between where, where we left the symbiotes to where we send them off at the end of the the issue just really saw it as kind of like a really grounded, uh, you know, horror story. Um,
3: speaking of carpenter, you know, with the thing,
2: (laughs) Yeah, totally. I mean, I I will find more often than not, uh, when I get to write for these characters, it's going to be a complete and utter ripoff of either alien (laughs) or the thing. Um, and that's just, that's where my heart lies. That's where my heart goes. I'll chalk up to it. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah. Um, because of separation anxiety and how, I mean, it, it seemed, I think to do L well or, or well enough, or it, it was, it, it kind of left an impression on Devin that I think whatever, whatever kind of internal conversations they were having, they, they knew they wanted to do something scream at some point on the level. And Devin a- approached me and said, ah, what would you feel about writing for scream and what would you, what would be the storyline that you would want to pitch for, for someone like scream. And, you know, at that point it was, was me kind of, uh, you know, living within the world of Andy and and scream. And I want to get this wrong. So nobody can quote me on this 100%, but I think like, you know, there was, was a kind of transition of like you know who was going to be taking the mantle of the symbiote like who would be actually uh who would be the host uh for scream and when andy when it was decided that it would be andy that was all information that was kind of been to me. knew that my host and my symbiote would be andy and scream
3: okay so you, you weren't you weren't like up to date with what was going on until it until bun's decided and then that Andy would be screamed. It was sort of handed to you.
2: It was the, you know, he was writing and they were working on uh the his, his trinity, the the kind of trilogy with absolute carnage. So it was the kind of you know of tailing into where would this story go from there? Um and you know for me like I you know when I kind of did the deep dive into Andy and and her, her relationship with the symbiote I, you know the things that I always came back to was this idea of uh, family and, and in particular motherhood. Um, and I, you know, those were those were the kind of big kind of headlight, high beam kind of macro themes that were really, really important for me to address. You know, when it came to kind of having that kind of initial conversation with with Devin and Danny about what would be the story that I want to tell. Would be, you know, how how does someone like Andy who has been, you know, her heart has just been raked over the coals and everybody who is important in her life has either left, died. Um, I, You know, I just wanted I just wanted that to be the kind of cornerstone or the kind of foundation for rebuilding of Andy and her relationship with with Scream. Yeah know if that right. answers the question well, no, it, but it, you know,
3: it does it does so yeah. separation anxiety sounds like it was the big turning point for you to yeah. become the writer yeah.
2: screen i think that's what did it or that's the story that i'm going to stick to and if, if anyone wants to say otherwise i will i will totally eat crow <laughs> <laughs> thank that's, you very much
0: yeah excellent so You, Chris Mooneyham, Gary Brown, and colorist Rain Barreto have done a stellar job with Andy and Scream's first ongoing series, especially in mixing horror with symbiotes. In fact, the mix of horror with symbiotes seems to be just the fusion Marvel needs in its symbiote books. You first dabbled with horror and symbiotes with Brian Level and Jordan Boyd in Absolute Carnage uh, Separation Anxiety, which was one of the best tie-ins for the event, uh, in my opinion. And as we've heard, uh, you also kind of began with the Venom, uh, Edge of Venomverse uh, Deadpool. Um, uh, and before those was also the uh, Great uh, Carnage series by Jerry Conway, Mike Perkins, and Andy Troy. So what is your take on mixing symbiotes with other literary genres beyond superheroes? And what are some other genres you think you'd like to mix symbiotes with, given the chance? And who would you like to team up with those in the series?
2: My God. Uh, That's a tough one. I mean, I I feel like, you know, I was so great about working with uh, Chris and Gary and Rain that, you know, there was kind of a an actual conversation that was had amongst us uh collectively it was definitely a conversation that was had kind of uh, independently amongst the kind of all all of those involved where really we wanted this to feel rainy and pitty and and thinking specifically in terms of those kind of like uh 70s kind of uh, grindhouse per se but the the kind of like early era kind of, uh, noir infused seventies, uh, drama slash crime thrillers of that era. Like I'm thinking like Og day afternoon, uh, Serpico even like, you know, like basically any, uh, Al Pacino film, mm. um, where, you know, there, there's a certain kind of, uh, celluloid template to, um, uh, the, those films that that I think carries over into, uh, the the first arc. Um, it, we we almost wanted to kind of treat each ep- each uh you know, arc as if it were the beginning of its own Law and Order episode, but but kind of circa you know nineteen seventy four. Um, where, I mean, I I think back to that first issue that Mooneyham did, where it you know you kind of have that opening establishing scene with. You know, the the two detectives underneath the bridge, and they they've kind of uncovered this body. Like this is all you know. We really wanted that kind of procedural element, but really kind of infuse it with something that felt this could almost be a, a movie that that was made you know by Alan Peculia or uh, you know some of the amazing filmmakers of of the seventies. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like you know in terms of kind of fusing of genres and, uh, genres. I, you know, I my, my go to is always going to be horror because that's, that's the kind of, that's the content that I in, imbibed, uh, continue to imbibe. I mean, I started when I was early and when I was a kid and I, you know, I'll sneak downstairs at midnight still to watch a, you know, a spooky movie. Um, cause it's, that's, that's just what I grew up on, and what I continue to grow up on. So I, I think I find amazing about symbiotes in particular. This is this is my take on them. Someone else would totally disagree, maybe disagree. I think of them. I always want to come at them from a place of relationships. I always think that, like the thing that I found most compelling about all of these, all of the the symbiote comics that I read, that there was always a navigation of it was never just one. It was always uh, how do we come together to an understanding of and, and, and a mutual kind of agreement of how to share, and whether you want to call that love, family. I don't know. Like those things are those are big deals to me. I, I love that, you know, even if you're decapitating somebody or swallowing somebody's head, still still about a relationship um but you know in terms of kind of mixing genres or you know how where do our symbiotes go from here you know if i close my eyes it's always going to be horror uh i think that there's something kind of inherent to these uh, symbiote narratives that's that's actually something more romantic maybe i should say romantic in air quotes there's there's like a there's a dynamic a relationship dynamic that 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 always has to be explored. Yeah. That's that's almost my answer.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I agree that when you're talking about symbiotes, you can't leave out the um the romance of it, like you said, this relationship aspect between host and symbiote. So yeah, definitely that and and I agree that, you know, these days I now see symbiotes as horror characters because it's it's just frightening, you know? You got this alien goo from outer space um, twisting you into a monster and everything. It's like yeah, I mean it's 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 some horrifying stuff, so I think it works very well myself.
3: Yeah, and and I I'd absolutely agree, you're showing that relationship stuff stuff excellently in the Scream book with Andy and the Scream Symbio.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say some of the best horror out there actually deals, you know, before you get to the scary stuff, you have to have the kind of human emotional content, the kind of relationship content. And and that's the stuff that, like, you can ground your characters in something that comes from a place of uh, fundamental emotional understanding. And you bring in the chainsaws, then you bring in the alien goo and then you've you you're you've kind of who as the reader or the audience are identifying with these characters in a way so i don't know if i always thread the needle or if i always get it right but you know in terms of andy and scream you know every decision should come from a place of like well how does andy react to this and how does scream react to this and how do they have to react together and uh that tug of war is is I feel is the kind of relationship that it's, it's never just one person making the decision. It's the two of them making the decision. And if, if one of them oversteps and it's like, well, what does that mean in our relationship?
1: And I, you know, I also see, cause you know, uh, Andy and scream, they really do make the perfect uh, duo together. And as I've been reading the, the book, you know, I also, you know, it's, it's also like seeing the same thing with Eddie and
0: Venom, so it's it's a really good combination between the two.
2: Awesome, that's yeah. that's a huge relief to hear. <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah. All right, Tyler, you have another question for us? Yes, I do. So, uh, in the latest issue, we got
3: some new villains, and I just want to ask, how on earth did you think to pull out the most obscure villains ever from an X Men <laughs> PSA and introduce a new horde of them? Like Big Mother was already really obscure enough, but the Creeps. That's the deepest cut I've ever seen for a comic. And I, I'm a continuity whore. So I, I love it. I love it.
2: I, I have been, I just, I've been dying to put the creeps into something for so long. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, on a rainy day, a while back, there was this, I, I was, I, there's like a website or a, a, a place that you could go to on the internet. That's basically just a, a Marvel villain database. This was years ago. Uh this was pre-Scream. I just I just spent a day looking through all of these. Oh, you know, it's it's alphabetized. So you just go through each, you know, you know, here are all the A villains, here are all the B villains, C villains, D villains. And, you know, this is how I first learned about people like mother, the creeps. Um, and then, you know, kind of having the ability to kind of go back and you know, find, you know, read their stories and find out about them something you know, so specific about the creeps that I just on so terrifying. And they only had one appearance and it was this like blockbuster video, uh, <laughs> you know, promo tie in PSA. It was, it was like, Oh, beyond kids. cheese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a total stranger danger. It was like, don't get in the car with, you know, strange. I mean, but they, there was something so benevolent and so loving and caring about them. Like, it, oh my God. It was because they were, they were basically the henchmen of X-Man. It, it was, it wasn't even that they were the big baddies. It was that they were the the kind of like Igor to this other kind of knockoff of the X-Men who was X-Man. And it was some like schlubby, not very physically, you know, he was not a superhero. He was just like a, 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 like I mean, if we're being totally frank, he was just a pedophile in a in spandex. Um, and he he was basically like using the creeps to lure kids into to awful awful things. This was a blockbuster comic. Like this was like a like a a like I don't know how it came to be, but it it it's out there. I don't know if you can find copies anymore, but it is it was a profoundly unnerving comic because if you just dig a little bit underneath the surface you realize like what it is that they're suggesting and it, it's awful um they and the the creeps just scared me it's basically saying your grandparents are like a file igors for x-man and i just held on to them for so long and uh so when Devin and Danny, they were like, hey, who, who are some of the bad guys that we can talk about for, for this this first arc for, uh, for for Scream? And I was like, the creeps. They were like, who? And like, just find the creeps. Like, just give me the creeps. That's all I want. And they were like, not yet. No. Uh, so then I was like, okay, I want Big Mama. They're like, okay, that's better. <laughs> um, and, then, and then when it came to the second arc, I was like, Please. He's just give me, just give me the creeps for one issue. And, uh, they, they relented. So, yeah. And I gotta say, like in terms of Mooney Ham's, uh, artwork for, for six, it reminds me of those kind of mad magazine. Uh, oh man, I'm, I'm going to totally blank, but, uh, what was the mad comics mad mad magazine had their own kind of horror. Spinoff comic, um, no way i'm going to be able to get it but like i feel like moody ham nailed that that kind of period with uh issue six and particularly how he drew Creep. so i think it's some of my favorite stuff
3: yeah it is really really awesome so, Orion, I think this sort of ties, we're talking about speaking of Big Mother, I think this ties into your next question.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you ended up with the enviable job of redefining a D list supervillain into an Avengers level threat for Scream with Big Mother. So, how much of the revamping process was you, and how much was the editorial? Like, did you collaborate with Donnie Cates in the process, considering Big Mother's new ties to his characters, Null and Grendel? No, it.
2: I really feel like a lot of this chalks up to just kind of fortuitous timing and a little bit of kismet. Um, I I would I you know I I can't claim anything other than coming to the table with big mother. Uh, so when we had that first kind of discussion editorially about what this first arc would be, and I came in guns blazing with this idea of motherhood and um Idea of Andy, who has, you know, it, it, like, one of the first questions, like, was like, "No, Andy's lost her father, but what about her mom? Her mother?" And you guys, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but like, her mother had always been this kind of non-entity who was never discussed. Um, I think and, I
3: think when she first appeared, it was just her and her dad. I don't think we yeah. ever saw anything about her mom.
2: Yeah, and it, it, I that just felt like a big open. I wanted to go there. I wanted that um, because Andy's not only you know, who is, what is the relationship between Andy and her mother? What is the relationship between Andy and scream? Uh, and, you know, they're kind of navigating their new relationship and evolving relationship. I never, it, it wasn't so specific that I wanted to be a mother figure to Andy, that, that kind of what, what kind of, parental if not maternal instincts would a symbiote have for uh their host um then big mother comes into the fold and you know be completely honest uh, it started at least initially as like oh who could be the bad guy in a story about motherhood well let's get big mama into the fold then doing a lot more digging into the idea of this this villain this character big mama Um, you know, Evan and Danny were like, I I said Big Mama. I was like, I want to do Big Mama because this is where that character kind of exists. They were like, you know, like shut the front door. Like, that's crazy. Do you know who Big Mama is? It ties into this whole other corridor with uh, Noel and Grendel. And this is perfect because all of a sudden now we can kind of open up, crack open this story. And I was just like, Oh yeah, I totally. And that like, that was totally my idea. <laughs> and it was just like the happiest of accidents. Cause it, it basically kind of took our story and opened it up and connected it to the larger acro story that, that, um, you know, Donnie has been telling and it, it really, it kind of, it, I just kind of lucked into it. Um, so, yeah, that is kind of my clumsy answer to that question.
3: Oh, a happy little accident of this, turning this into a symbiote character that happened to have big teeth.
2: <laughs> I mean, I I loved, I I found the kind of uh, what Big Mama, Big Mother did uh, in uh, Captain Marvel. It's interesting, like this idea of like her becoming uh what like a wwf wrestler or like a pro- wrestler like she she's yeah. like she just like, <laughs> li- like slipped off into the wrestling ring like that that to me was kind of like yeah okay you know i get it um it but so I, I, I i just felt like there there could be more to that character and and then when um we got to beowulf and grendel you know and the kind of mythos that that, that opened up it was just like really became uh, a foundation for telling this other story within the first arc of, you know, Grendel's mother losing her child and in, in the kind of pain and anger and rage that's kind of been rooted deep within mother for, for all of these, you know, centuries. Um, so that when she comes to the table and, you know, encounters Andy and scream is, mother basically coming to reclaim the child of scream yeah it motherhood was just like it was just everywhere and anywhere and any decision had to be based upon that that kind of like dynamic of of child and mother if not daughter and mother
3: awesome So just the perfect storm
2: yeah totally
3: very good very good all right well uh i have another question then uh Rotating away from the villain talk for a little bit, I consider myself the number one Flash Thompson fan. And I don't think it's any surprise that I have a question that involves him. So, uh, obviously, Agent Venom was integral in Andy becoming a symbiote character. But I want to know, how important would you consider that... How important is Flash to her? Because we've seen bits of him throughout the run. And you seemingly put him on the same level of her parents. So, like, with some of those flashback scenes... And, like, what, what she uh, has trauma from. So it's like, so I'm curious.
2: I mean, I, I feel like I have a guarded answer. And it, it, in essence, I feel like when it comes to Flash and Andy, Andy, at any point in her life, when she makes the decision to open up to somebody or connect. I feel like that has to come at a great cost uh her and and the the kind of emotional toll it takes for someone like her to kind of establish any sort of trust or just to say yes, I think has to be a real huge risk um because every every time she does it she loses them like or they they just they go they leave, and I think when flash and her kind of encountered one another uh you know the toll that took um i don't know like i i think that like for me it it hurts and i think it hurt her so i i i want to you know i don't know how much we could talk about the future uh going forward but i do know that like you know on a level of andy the any, any opening or kind of like Know, embracing of someone new into her life regardless of where they came into her life uh it's gonna it's gonna affect her in profound ways and I do think that uh did with flash flash is such a character that is like out of my hands so it's like what can I say about about him um oh so, at least on the Andy side yeah
4: this is just
3: me being more this is me being as desperate as possible for more flash <laughs> content so <laughs>
2: I, we are. Over. I have
3: faith. I have faith they'll bring him back, but I, it's. I just gotta wait.
2: <laughs> so, you never know. You never
0: awful.
2: know. Never <laughs> say, die.
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, um, so recently we had some. Uh, news that really affected uh issue six and moving forward that um scream curse of carnage would be now uh published digitally only for the single issues and that later on the trade paperbacks will be published uh per print so when did you learn that the book would start being published digitally only and what was your reaction how has this changed or altered your plans for the series
2: i i don't- is let me see how carefully i have to tread here but i think it's okay for me to say i had written uh scripts for issue nine uh by the time it was uh you know the decision from up high was that you know it would go digital and you know i I I am a fan of the the hard copy. Like I love having the comic in my hand. I love collecting, love being able to flip through and kind of pull it off the shelf when I want to. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was definitely saddened by the the fact that we wouldn't be able to see all those cool uh, variant covers, just so beautiful for six. Um, and I I think it's you know the amount of work that went into these issues. Uh, and the amount of talent, I mean, like, you know, you just want to hold on to it like a little protective blanket, uh, protective symbiote blanket. But, uh, you know, I had also previously to this been uh, able to write a series for uh, Iron Fist called uh, Phantom Limb. And that was. In essence, it was six issues that they kind of merged into three, and then they it was a digital only thing uh until it uh fused together for uh, a trade paperback. um and that was through comicsology um and it was it was a it was a lot of fun I mean i, I you know for me being able to tell these stories and to be be able to tell this kind of story, these weird wonky horror infused stories, like there are people want to read that sort of stuff, whether that's in print or on, on their tablets. Like I feel, I feel very lucky. And to be honest, like I, having the chance to write for scream for, for this long, I mean, I, I can't say it enough. And I feel like this is my, this is probably my one opportunity to say it as loud and clear as I can. It's, it's really been because of the, readership and the fandom that people have had for these characters that it's it's done as well as it has and i have to say thank you to everybody who has read it and kept with it um it, it means the world to me uh it's because of you all that i've been able to be writing for it so yeah i mean i have no idea what the future holds um i do know for a fact at. uh there is nothing to blame other than the coronavirus for for whatever decisions are made um it, it came at a point when this was really kind of shifting into a new gear and um you know my the the people who talked to me at at marvel were like look you know ever happens it has nothing to do with the quality of the work that we're putting out there um because they really really did and do have faith in the story uh, it's just that we got sideswiped, sucker punched by this thing, and now it's really this is really uh, changing the 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 kind of whole stratosphere of comics as we know it. You know, knows what's going to happen. The landscape, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just completely different now.
1: I mean, I, I was going to say, like, you know, with this the COVID nineteen going around, you know. I mean, I, now, I, I mean, I don't mind supporting the book digitally, but at the same time, like you said, Clay, I really would have loved to uh, get the physical copy, and all the variants that have come out for uh, Scream have been phenomenal. And, you know, we we here at the Venom community want to support the book as much as possible. So, again, again just, just thank you for, you know, putting out whatever you can, you know?
2: Well, thank you. I mean you know i i will say there were like i think i was working on three or f- i was working on four different things uh and then the pause button got on on all of them um except for one um and you know marvel really wants wants this stuff out there i know that um just have to figure out how um so going forward you know if anything whether it's digital, whether it's print, however it ends up, uh, it's, you know, just feel blessed that it, it, it's gone as far as it has. And and frankly, that has to do with you all. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no problem. I mean, this is such a great series. Like, we're, we are doing our best to make sure, by word of mouth, everyone knows it's a great series. And that, you know, even though it's gone digitally only, continue to read it, continue to subscribe to it. Make sure everyone knows what you feel about because we want this thing to keep going as as far as it can. You know, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm in love, with the series. So. Yeah, yeah
3: same me here. too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right. So we have one last question from our host, uh, Carlos. Go ahead and end it for us, and then we'll move on to the community
1: so i so clay i'm gonna keep this short and sweet so my last question will be uh who are some other fictional comic characters that you would like to rate in the future
2: <laughs> oh man um you know i i have a soft spot for man thing um, <laughs> has there been recently any man thing storylines was- he it was a couple of years ago.
3: I think RL Stein did a short mini for man thing. What?
2: Really? Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, I, if, if, and when I would i for a man thing, um, we'll see, uh, you know, a never say never. But, uh, I, at this point, I feel like I've been very lucky to write about, uh, characters that have kind of gone, <laughs> gone to the wayside. But, uh, and thing. That's my answer. Man thing.
3: I'm all about it. <laughs> Love me. Love me is a man thing.
0: All right. Excellent. But, uh, so that does it for our questions. So now we're going to open the floor to our live listeners who have been following along. And we'll just pick out some uh, good questions here for you. And uh, then after that, we'll close out. Um, let me take a look here. Um. So, Asura says, I love the touch that Big Mother was made of Null's blood, which kind of giving her a resemblance to Carnage. But he's curious to know what inspired Mr. Chapman to turn Big Mother into a symbiote dragon and make her the Gremble symbiote dragon's sister, as opposed to keeping her uh, purported connection to the dark elf Grendel from Thor.
2: You know, it's funny because it, it is. There, there, are kind of these uh, old posts, and I, I will admit that, like in terms of the symbiote dragons uh, coming into the fold, like I was less aware of Grendel and Beo- the Beowulf story uh, with Thor uh, up until kind of having this conversation with Marvel editorial and uh, and, and Big Mother. Um. So when I started pitching Big Mama to them, we we're like, "Oh, you have no idea how that that kind of dovetails into all of this." Then, then we can kind of talk about this part of the story, and you know, it. it, it I went back to the texts of uh, Beowulf and and thinking of like how, you know, how kind of revisionist you know, history we kind of the. the Is the same uh history is written by the the victors i guess um Mm -hmm. you know i i I took uh beowulf the poem be the kind of version of history uh the winners got to told that that beowulf basically got to told what if underneath that text there's a different kind of story essentially the images uh from uh, our first arc would kind of either support or, uh, contrast, I guess. Um, we, you know, I, I basically took, you know, a, a lot of that narration is, is just straight up payable. The images can either kind of tell their own story that, that either, you know, goes against it or, or, uh, argues against it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it, if, if it's coming close to answering, but I do know that like null, the kind of the, the origin of the, of his dragons, uh, you know, of tailing into the Beowulf or mythology. Um, I wanted, I knew that I wanted to get to a place where big mother is mourning the loss of Emily. Um, and that had to be the kind of driving force behind, uh, the death of Grendel and how that compels, uh, you know big mother goes into hiding for years and years and years and years um and i basically imagined her stewing uh in the you know the briny depths for for a long time just waiting for you know for you know god is coming so it's it's time to to kind of like come out of hiding and uh app a uh, scream but yeah kind of gets close to answering the question maybe hopefully
3: yeah i think it does <laughs> All right. So- yeah, and uh, so here's a question from Twisted Lemon. Uh, Scream shares a lot of similarities to her "quote unquote" father in the in uh, Venom in the Scream book. So, her relationship with her host and some of her personality traits seem incredibly similar similar to how Venom was depicted in the '90s with the like the relationship stuff you were going on about. So, was that a conscious decision on your part, or is it just a coincidence?
2: Um, I I mean, I would say it's it's maybe. You know, those were the comics that I read. So I feel like any, any kind of initial foundation for uh, or a, a symbiote story, I feel like it has to establish relationship. I know we went for six issues basically trying to navigate that relationship. Uh-oh. I feel like that has to be for any symbiote relationship, against whether it would be me adhering myself to Scream or to... Age or riot or whoever you have to kind of like navigate like who's who's got their hands on the wheel here like what's going on um so i i wouldn't say it was necessarily a nod to venom but definitely uh i my kind of core belief system of a a symbiotic relationship has to be like you have to figure this out
0: excellent Thank you so much, and um, I have another question. This one comes from Peaches. Uh, basically, you know, what was up with that alternative scream design that showed up a few times in um, in the variant covers, but was really never used in the comics? Is that one that kind of has the um, kind of burnt uh, blackened head look with the uh, really creepy eye and eyes and uh, mouth type of thing? Was that going to play Which, some
2: which, which sort of issue? Role? Show, show me. Tell me which issue you guys oh, are talking man. about. Um, it's it.
0: I believe it
1: was also shown on a action figure variant for Absolute Cards number five. I think.
2: I mean, I I wish I could answer you. Yeah, I don't know if
0: I have an answer.
2: I mean, the uh, you know, I, Scream. I I feel like everybody I got has it right their life.
3: It was Russell Datterman, I believe, did the original. Design. Oh yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I I love this this version of. Scream. I I feel like. I don't know if I have an answer. I don't have an answer. Um, the, 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 out, out of your wheelhouse completely. Yeah. Not your um, I mean, I do know that like uh, "Scream" can mean many things to many different people. Um, so, you know, it wasn't so much that there was a conversation of like a uh, beyond Mooneyham and Brown kind of establishing like how they would draw "Scream" for the actual comic. Um, I think uh, the cover artists were allowed to to town
0: oh uh, okay well i
3: am I, I for one i'm glad that it's stuck more to a, a, a more classic design Though so I, I do kind of think it'd be cool if she had any like uh, mania inspired spikes or something but i still love what the artists are doing so
0: yeah i especially love all of her transfer transformations in those first few issues when she was diving underwater it was like wow really playing with the uh with the uh amorphous part of that uh symbiote
2: I mean, um, I just I just watched episodes of Blue Planet and I was like, what are the craziest underwater? Like, what are the deepest deep sea creatures that we could kind of bring to Scream uh, mythology? And uh, I mean, but, you know, you have to you have to give it to to Gary. Gary Brown did those. um, I mean, those were absolutely insane. Like he he really went to town and just I love it. I love it.
1: Scream, grab. So, uh, but uh. Uh, we have a question from uh, Allie Scream, and she she asks: the first five issues deal with uh, a lot of uh, deal with a lot of Andy's mental health, including a suicide attempt, and later realization that she wasn't alone because she has Scream. Suicidal thoughts can be a really hard topic to handle, and you handle it perfectly. What made you decide to include this element in the series? And what, if any, type of research or prep did you go do before, before you had to be able, before handed to be able to handle this topic well and in such a relatable way?
2: Wow. Uh, well, first off, thank you. I mean, honestly, that was one of the bigger risks that we took with that first issue. Um, and And we wanted to handle it uh carefully um but honestly, i mean on a, you know for me like i i feel as if um it was something that I didn't want to shy away from, and i you know uh, coming from a place of trying to understand where Andy was as a human being uh independent of her relationship with scream um a Oh, it it felt important to kind of acknowledge uh that kind of sense of it's I, I keep coming back to the word of loneliness but but it was you know for me I wanted to feel not only alone like that the world isn't providing any their option choices doors were closing you know, everything kind of narrows itself down into these very finite kind of tunnels where you can, you can no longer see the light at the end of the tunnel and Andy making that choice. A, I think it was, was a decision based upon this idea of like, rather than asking for help anymore, asking, simply asking the question for help is is too much and and i knew that andy had gotten to a place where she was emotionally exhausted fatigued uh she had no family she had no friend she felt like she could ask and and even the sounds in her head you know it it, i thought of like those those first few pages where she's blocking out the one person the one thing the one entity whatever you know that that could offer help um because it 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 just reached a, a zenith point to her where she couldn't she couldn't even extend a helping hand or or or, or ask for help so you know on the bridge when she jumps it 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 I really wanted it to come from a place where you wasn't that she didn't have any options it's that that she personally couldn't see them um it's at the moment when she made the choice actually activates scream that she that that scream finds their voice and and stops andy like help saves and um so it it, it's it's almost like that was the turning point that andy needed to let go and in essence give up in order for scream to say no and 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 basically alvanize scream you know i don't want to say take over but but it it kind of best scream in a way that, that hadn't been there before. Well,
0: thank you very Excellent. much for that answer. Yep. Thank very you. Topic. Now we have time for one last question. This one comes from symbiotic Atreus and this has to do, this is an interesting question cause I, I like this. Um, does the curse of carnage subtitle on your run uh, mean that maybe you're uh, mentally limiting what you're writing in the series and other directions you're going in, or are, do you have a little more free reign? Because it's interesting that it is called Curse of Carnage, and I can kind of see, you know, how that affects the story overall.
2: Uh, interesting fact. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I will, and I will suffer the consequences later. But uh, originally it was going to be Daughter of Carnage. Hmm. Scream, daughter of carnage. Uh this opened up a uh, a larger conversation of uh gender and symbiotes. And are are symbiotes gendered? And you know, thinking in terms of the fluidity of symbiotes, uh it isn't so much that uh Scream itself was the Themself was the, the gendered identity of Carnage um, that, you know, it would essentially be they, them, um, the, the offspring of Carnage rather than the, the kind of specific son or daughter. So curse. I don't know when curse came into the fold. Curse was basically what was decided for for the series. Um, and I, I think, you know, it's interesting that, that you ask about the, the limitations of that title. I think that there I could kind of interpret it twofold. There, there's carnage and then there's curse. And curse to me comes from a place of great, great pathos. Um, and I, I think that, like, uh, you know, you're the offspring of symbiotes, you know, Venom carnage and there is a lot of baggage that comes with that whether it's emotional mental physical uh you know i think scream uh in of this of this kind of parentage uh it's a lot that that comes with that and it's 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 very traumatic um i i took curse in a in a way of like emotional or even uh Mental, mental kind of damage or trauma. Uh, speaking specifically of our, our forebears and thinking of Carnage. Carnage, I mean, nothing that that character has done is, isn't cursed in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, I think uh, maybe it had a little uh, commercial uh, a- a- appeal to it because Carnage is, you know, everything has to... You know, Absolute Carnage was the the kind of forebear. So this, this was the kind of tie-in to that. Um, I think at one point it was going to be that the second arc would not have the the Carnage, the Curse of Carnage kind of moniker to it. I, I don't know if we were able to kind of shake it or not. But um, We did have the the subtitle Suffer the Children, which was going to be the kind of to me, is it's like scream, suffer the, the little children.
0: Mm, yeah, <laughs> well, I well, very I, interesting I, I, answer. Yeah, I mean, I think Curse of Carnage is very fitting in that it it it, it harkens back to like the classic Marvel uh, horror comics and even you know classic horror films. You know, it's like the the Curse of Dracula or whatever. It's like it tells you ex- exactly what you're going to get in the story, and that's. A horror story i think that works very well and yeah then, it, I, i'm very happy with the same game yeah especially now that you told us that it was going to be um daughter of carnage because uh you know us being venom fans and sticklers for continuity we'd have to be like uh not really
3: not really the daughter <laughs> sister of carnage at best
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 All right, well, um, thank you so much. Uh, And just a note to our listeners, make sure to pick up Scream, Curse of Carnage, and let your friends and Marvel know how much you enjoyed it. Get issues 1 through 5 for $1.99 USD per issue right now on Comixology. And if you're loving the book, make sure to subscribe digitally via Comixology or the Marvel Comics app and leave a rating. Let's keep this train moving. That's all the time we have with Clay for now, but the fun doesn't end there, fellow Venomaniacs. Join us for a new live recording on Friday, June 26th at uh, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Eastern for another special podcast episode featuring a crossover with Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast and one of our partners at The Collective for our review of Disney XD's Spider-Man Maximum Carnage cartoon, episode three. You can listen to We Are Venomaniacs on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music and iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. We can also be found on Twitter at W-A-V underscore podcast. Check out our Discord server where you can geek out with a community of Venomaniacs like us. As always, thank you to my fellow co-hosts, Carlos and Tyler, for joining me today.
1: Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, of course. I'm
3: so happy to be here. And just before we end off, you know, we got two minutes. Anything, any last things you want to say to the fans,
2: Clay? Uh, I mean, I'll say it and say it again. I mean, this thing is alive because of readers like you. And, you know, who knows what the future holds, but, uh, you know, I have never felt more embraced and Supported in a story than I have with Scream, so thank you to all the readers. You you have kept it alive for this long, and it's it's because of you that it's it's it'll keep going. So thank you.
0: Yes, they end an extra special to thank you to Clay for the time taking the time to chat with a few of his fans. Um. So that's it for us. Uh, Another thank you to the Venom site for permitting us to make this podcast on the TVS banner and all of your generous support. And finally, thank you, loyal listeners and fellow Venomaniacs. You guys make an awesome community and it's an honor to be your voice on the airwaves. Together, we are Venomaniacs. And now a word from one of our partners at The Collective, a network of superhero podcasts.
4: The Swamp, more than merely a place. It is a churning, seething, bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, until one little experiment went somewhat dry, and you changed. The serum that was to have made you a super soldier, combined with the strange forces in the swamp, to make you over into this, a shambling, mindless mockery of your former humanity. The Macabre Man-Thing. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you, too, can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre.